at the museum with Alan and Daniel. We'll talk about the Cardinals all night long. Everyone come gather round, listen to your favorite sound. We'll talk about the Cardinals all night long. We'll talk the games and all the rest about the team that we love best. We'll talk about the Cardinals all night long. And we welcome you to another edition of Meet Me at Musial. I'm your host, Daniel Shoftoff, C70. It's bad at C70 on Twitter. With me, as always, Alan Medlock, Red Dirt Redbird at A Medlock1 on the Twitters. And this week, joining us is the uh king of projections perhaps uh vince already from birds on the black you find him at stl fam bc7 is that right yes that's perfect okay good i you know i know it by sight but i just i realized as i start rambling it off i might not <laughs> have it right so um uh, ben is also of course as you should know by now um, jumped into the podcast space with conversations with Saruti. Uh, I think what was it? Episode eight went up today. Is that right, Ben? Yeah, episode eight with Corey C and Zone went up today, and then I recorded uh, I recorded another one since I'm on spring break this week uh, with Stu Styles, and that's going up tomorrow morning. And that that was fun too. Stu's a good guy to talk to. That'll be fun. I don't think I've ever heard Stu, but I've interacted with him on Twitter, so that should be fun. So what led you to getting into this? I mean, you know, for a while there, the Cardinal podcast realm was a little bit crowded. I think it's kind of thinned out somewhat, but what made you want to, you know, <laughs> do this crazy thing? Um, so uh, my dad was always the guy I talked to with baseball mm-hmm. and I, I kind of went over this in uh, the third episode of my conversation was with Saruti. Um, but uh, my dad passed away last summer and he was the one who I would call and just talk to for hours at a time about baseball. And I just, I missed having that over the last season. And so um, I decided that I wanted to try something. Uh, and even if it just led to me just, branching out and talking to more people in Twitter over the phone or verbally online somehow to get my ideas flowing um, that, that I, I feel like I needed that. And so uh, I went to gifts with the idea and he thought it was a good idea. And, uh, and we started actually searching for a co-host and I did a couple with a couple different people that haven't aired uh, that I decided I kind of liked being able to talk to multiple people and uh, and ask the questions I want to ask them and, and have different people on for different reasons. And so I decided to go my own route where I went more by myself, but I probably will never have my own like, like Kyle does where I'm just talking and I'm the only voice there. I do much better interacting, I think. But yeah, yeah just, just missing Solo. talking baseball. <laughs> That makes sense. Solo shows are hard. Uh, there's no doubt about it. And I know you did, like you said, when you talked in the third episode about why you did this and why you're, what your doing uh, plans were, um, you know, it went well, but you, you wouldn't want to do that regularly. And I, you know, have done a, a couple in my day, not many 
it's a it's a little bit weird to be sitting there for for 30 minutes just trying to hope that somebody's listening so um but we're glad that you have joined us uh tonight and uh, let's just talk a little bit about what's going on in camp um and i guess the biggest thing alan i'll, I'll start with you here today we saw that um carlos played the mets carlos martinez is on the mound and I'm not sure it may be the fact I'm not sure he's finished the first inning this spring. They brought him, you know, he he pulled him after the first, brought him back, he pitched the second through the fourth, I think, or whatever. Um what's your comfort level with Carlos right now? I, I you know what? I don't know. I mean, I, I I try not to put a lot of emphasis on the spring. I mean, everybody hears me say that every week. And uh, it, it's just kind of strange because you just don't know when they're working on something or one of those things. But it does just seem like an issue with, with him getting out of the first inning. And that's been historically a problem that he's had. So, you know, honestly, it's it's one, gotten to that point now where I'm just like, man, I hope this starts good because he's going to roll into the rotation now anyway because they really don't have a lot of options left. So it's even more of a gut punch when he can't get out of these innings like that. Yeah, and it was almost a little bit scary. I watched the first that first inning, and Mike Maddox went to the mound, almost like there was an injury situation there. When I, I was like, "Oh my goodness, we're we're doomed now." Um, ben, what do you think? I mean, he's if he's going to be a starter, he has to pitch that first inning. Yeah, um, I'm not exactly sure what to think. Um, I think as of right now, just big picture, the Cardinals have. I think their five starters planned out if Kim can't go. I mean, I think at, at this point it's got to be just based on usage so far in the spring. It's got to be Flaherty, Wainwright, Martinez, Gant, and Ponce de Leon. And, I mean, these things kind of have a tend to have a way of working themselves out that, you know, when Kim gets back, if Martinez is having these struggles, I, I see no reason why he's not shoved to the bullpen pretty quickly. Uh, or if they think it's injury related, getting him on the DL to take a break next, you know, um, I hope it doesn't come to that, but, but I don't see positive signs of he's struggling to get out of the first. Now I think last game he pitched, I thought he came out and threw a bit more of a gem, didn't he? Hey, I get the I game go back mixed up. So let me, let me pull up his, uh, spring training log. You, you're maybe right. It feels like there was a start maybe in there that we didn't see uh, or I didn't, you know, let's see game logs here. Uh, last time out, he gave up two runs in four innings against the Mets. And that's, that's the other kicker to this. And some part of an issue is he's pitched four games in the spring and three of them have been against the Mets. And that, and honestly, the Mets lineup could do that to people. They're, they're yeah. deep. I mean, I know it's tough. I know it's tough to say when we're when we're telling everybody else don't pay attention to the stats, but their lineup's deep. Well, I mean, we don't pay attention to stats in spring because it's such a small sample. And while I realize sixty games isn't the greatest sample in the world either, I want to say last year they had six guys in their lineup. I'm pulling it up now. Six guys in their lineup with a one twelve OPS or better. Mm. Uh, four four of them had a one thirty one or better. And that does not include 199 plate appearances of Dominic Smith off the bench at 169, and I mean that. I mean they they just they had a team that crushed the ball last year. They had a 122 OPS pluses. Yeah, they can't they can't catch it, but they can hit. 
Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, looking over this now again. Now, and, and to, and I'm sorry, Daniel, if I'm taking yeah, a question ahead. away, but I, it hasn't, is, is it Gann or Ponce that has pitched like four straight games against the Nationals as well? And that it, I'll have to look and see, but that's it's part of along those lines. Yeah, you know the the schedule is in four game blocks, and those yeah. four game blocks are on, and then a day off, and those four game blocks are almost exactly in the right. It's almost it has been that way where the, the you know they're not seeing very many different people. Um, you know, I would have to uh, let's quickly let's look at at uh, Gant because I yeah, think see, you're right. I haven't even well, the, I haven't even put that together yet. <laughs> Um, and well, and the and the Cardinals have seen Max Scherzer three times this spring. Yeah, um, which is I think what they said he they'd seen him like three times since I don't know in the last six years or something. Three <laughs> yeah, times I think it was spring. like since since twenty eighteen. I think it was. Yeah, something. Like that. Uh, yeah, John Gant has pitched three games and they've all been against the Nationals. Um, and one of those that you know he had started two of them and one was out of out of relief. Now, you know, going back to Carlos a little bit. Um, you know, it's hard to tell spring training lines just because we, you know, you have to remember if they rolled an inning or something like that. Um, but his first game against the Mets, he gave up no runs in three innings. His second game, two runs in four. And then today, five and three. Of course, today was some of that was because Tommy Parsons allowed that grand slam to Francisco Lindor with some of, of Martinez's runners on. Again, you're right. I don't know how much to take out of this, but it's it's almost like with with Matt Carpenter, who we'll talk about later on. If you've got this much baggage on a guy going into the spring, having a inconsistent at best start doesn't help for to help lower the angst. Do you think, Ben? Yeah, I agree. Um, just. Uh, I think he's kind of one of the whipping boys of Cardinals Twitter or Cardinals Nation mm-hmm. anyway. <laughs> yeah, without so, a doubt. And <laughs> so I mean, it's doing nothing to assuage any fears, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it sounds like you're right. I, and let me, I wanted to get into who's pitched the most innings this, this spring because I think you're right. It's um, the only other person that would even be in that mix. Just because, just by innings, is Tommy Parsons who likes to pitch today, but he's pitched nine innings this spring. But I don't think they're going to, you know, put him in the starting rotation. Um, there's just not anybody else. It's it's a little bit interesting for all the depth that we've talked about with this team, Alan, in the past. That there's not any other right now. There's not any other options except for Gan Ponce de Leon. If both of those, if they need to fill in starters, that's pretty much it. Yeah, I get the feeling that uh, that Oviedo's close, and they're, they're going to keep him extended because we haven't seen any relief appearances from him, and uh, he's actually kind of they've kind of seem like they've been hiding him a little bit. I think that he's probably earmarked for uh, for Memphis. I think that's probably definite, but I don't think he's as far off as we think he is. I think that that's going to be a factor. Um, the uh, it, it there is a point I was going to ask this to both of you at uh, kind of a well. I kind of get get ahead of myself, but at, at what at what juncture do you think? What percentage do you think they've used that looked at outside starters right now, guys that may be available? Now you're a little too late into the spring, but do you think that's been on the table at all? I don't think so personally. I think yeah. 
I think they're looking at it going, well, we've got five guys who we think are sure. going to be about ready. We've got Tommy Parsons throwing good innings. We've got Oviedo. We've got Thompson. We've got Libertor. We've got Alex Reyes, who we've already said is going to be in the pen. But, I mean, if we need him to build up some innings, maybe you pair him with a Ponce or pair him with a Martinez. Plus, we've got Kim coming back and hopefully Michaelis coming back at some point still. Um, and that hasn't even talked about, like, an Angel Rondon or Angel Rondon. Um, yeah, that's kind of how I feel. Or Jake Woodford. Yeah. Um, that I think if they weren't in the market for it three weeks ago any more than what they were, I don't know why they would be now either. Yeah. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. I do think they have probably kept some lines of communication open. I think they have an idea of if one more thing happens, who they go get. Because I, you know, I, I do think that they want to see Oviedo, but I think they want to see him at Memphis some this year before they, you know, throw him into that. Now, again, you're talking about it, it looks like, you know, KK may be only missing a start. And if that's the case, yeah, they're not going to do anything. But if for some reason he has a setback and Ponce de Leon doesn't look great, you know, a guy like Rick Borsello, who we've talked about before, that's out there that might come in on a minimal one-year deal, they might do something like that. I, I just think they're keeping those options open, even if they're not very far down that road. Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me. I I just kind of I wondered about that just when you start getting to the depth basis of it, but I don't think that's necessarily a problem. Um, yeah, when you look and it's like, well, we're not we're a little overextended right now, but there's some guys that we haven't even seen, and and I do think Libertor and Thompson are guys that that we probably will see at some point. So Ben, you mentioned Alex Reyes, and the Cardinals have said that he's not going to at least at the beginning of the year start, even though they have this idea of building him up to a hundred innings. Mm-hmm. How likely do you think it is they can get to that hundred innings or, or find that path without him making very many starts? I think it's going to be really hard. Um, I think we've seen in the past with the Cardinals that they've got these ideas for people out of the bullpen of trying to get so many innings mm-hmm. with them. And right now you've got Hicks coming back from an injury and Hicks is your presumed closer when healthy. But is there anybody besides Wainwright is there anybody in camp throwing the ball better than Alex Reyes right now? And I'd have to say no. I think he's pretty easily throwing the best in camp, unless you want to say it's it's Wainwright. Um, and I don't know if – I mean, Schilt's job is on the line every year, every week, every game, you know. And, and, and the Cardinals take pride in being in it all the time that – I don't think they can take weeks off at a time and say, hey, no, we need to throw Reyes two innings this game and then not pitch him for two days and then throw him two innings this game and then not pitch him for two days and throw him two Mm -hmm. innings this game if he's the best option at closer to start the year. And he very well could be the best option either at closer or fireman out of the bullpen. I think if they're serious about getting him 100 innings, it needs to be – He's an opener. He opens, you know, third game of the year and pitches two innings. And then he opens the sixth game of the year and throws two innings. And then he, you know, if if they, if, if a hundred innings is not a goal, but a mandate, that's how it's got to be done. 
That and that makes the most sense because you could control it so much. I mean, we're going to be in a situation if, if they're uh, firm in the hundred or however that sits. He's going to be pitching in the fifth and sixth innings of eight to one ball games at some point, and you're going to need him the next night. You know that that's the thing that concerns me. Yep. Yeah, and, and we've seen it before because you know, I mean, it doesn't look like it as much with this rotation, but there was that year a few years ago where you know the starters came out of the gate pitching six or seven innings, you know, and then you turned it over to at the time Hicks and Miller or whatever it was, and you know a guy like. Reyes or a guy that's supposed to be your long man didn't have an opportunity to, to pitch. I mean, it went, I want to say it may have been even Gomber um, that had that happen to him where he would go like, you know, 10 or 10 or 12 days without pitching just because yeah. either the team was, you know, we get beat or they would have a starting pitcher that would go so deep into games that, you know, you didn't need the, anything but the last little bit of the bullpen. So, I, I still haven't figured that out because you're right. I think it's one of those things on paper. It sounds great, but I don't know how they're going to do that, especially when I have a feeling. And we saw that a little bit last year, I think that when there was a game that, that the Cardinals were leading, it went Gallegos, Reyes, you know, or whoever, was, you know, I guess Gallegos and Reyes and Cabrera usually showed up in those games that the Cardinals won. And this year it's probably going to be Reyes and Gallegos and Hicks. Hicks. Um, you know, and if you're pitching Reyes one inning a game, you can do that for two or three days. If you're starting to pitching two innings, then you can't. But if you don't pitching two innings, you don't build that up. So I, I mean, they're smarter than me on a lot of this stuff. So I don't know, but I just don't see that that's the best idea. And I don't really know why they would rule out the, the opener and you know an opener has that connotation of hey it's only a guy that's going to pitch an inning but if he pitches three innings a game you know for each start that's you know that's doing pretty well so i I don't know why they're so hesitant on that i i think a lot of it for the cardinals is they they do put a lot of faith in what the players and the veterans think um and when you get guys like Wainwright in the room um, that have that starter mentality of, you know, like uh, I, I don't, I don't foresee if it's, if it's Wainwright's day to pitch and it's Alex Reyes's day to open, I don't see Wainwright saying, yeah, I'll just come in in the third inning. You know, I think it'd be, uh, no, I could have seven or eight in me today. I don't need to, I don't need to be piggybacking on somebody else. Um, that's just kind of my thing. Yeah. Yeah, I guess my idea and Alan is is more is more of Alex Reyes having that fifth spot in the rotation and them piggybacking so that every day that you know he goes three and then Ponce comes in for two or three and then you go from there you play the game how it is instead of him piggybacking with an established starter, yeah. I guess. Um, what are you thinking, Alan? Yeah, that would I'll, that would make it the most sense. Um, it, I don't know how much faith they have. And I, Gann has shown that he can relieve, you know, and Ooh. that uh, I don't know if they feel that they don't have a lot of faith in Ponce doing such. I, You know, a big factor in this is I think that uh, Schilt dislikes that sh- safety blanket of Reyes in the bullpen. Hmm. I mean, because he, he goes to him in some pretty big spots, and we've seen him close out two games already this spring. Yeah, yeah, there is is that as well. I want to, 
I don't want us to spend a lot of time in one chunk talking about Ben's projections. I want to kind of mix them in as we go. And Alan's brought up Gantt. Ben, how do, I mean, one, maybe get a general idea of what you think about of Gantt from your projection system. But two, how hard is it to make a projection on a guy like that when you don't know how many starts he's going to make, when he's, what he's going to be done in the bullpen, things like that nature? So, yeah, if you've been following my projections, you, you know that um, I've got two starting pitcher projections out there so far, Flaherty and Wainwright. Um, that's not by design exactly, but um, it it's court, sort of is as well. Uh, once I saw that guys were not cementing themselves in the rotation because of injuries or soreness, I... I kind of push doing starting pitchers back for that very reason. It's really hard. Um, I do have a way that I do try to convert, you know, to reliever or starter, depending on what they were previously and what they're going to do this year. Um, as of right now, I do have Gantt in the pen uh, for 60 innings and 60 games. Um, but I have a feeling I'm going to have to make that conversion a little bit. Um, I've kind of looked up what Gant's done in the past. Um, in the past, he's averaged like 5.88 innings per 100 pitches as a starter. Now, I mean, I know that's kind of usually the goal is to get him around 100 pitches or so um, in the Cardinals rotation. And so he gets almost six innings, not quite when he throws 100 pitches, um, but he's only thrown 135 and a third innings as a starter before. He's been at a 3.99 ERA, a 4.31 FIP, and a 4.6 uh, XFIP. Um, it's been a bit better as a reliever in his 127 and a third innings there. So, uh, and he's been a lot more efficient out of the bullpen too. He, he averages under 11 pitches an inning out of the bullpen. Um, something that I've thought a lot about is over the last two years, he has thrown five different pitches out of the bullpen and none of them in the last two years have been a below average pitch by, uh, by the advanced stats looking at, at, you know, like fan graphs or baseball savant has, has their, their pitches. Oh, I don't even know what they call it. I'm blanking right now, but they're basically like how many, how many runs per 100 that the pitch is better than, than other people's pitches. And, or similar pitch type. And he's been average or better with every single one of his pitches for the last two years, all five of them out of the bullpen. And, and I think that maybe he's starting to figure out like, which ones do I go to on which days, maybe starting to get that feel for his pitches a little bit more. Um, Cause I mean, he's been an absolute stat cast darling out of the bullpen. And so if he can get his command figured out, I think, I think he's not going to look like a fourth or fifth starter for too long. I think it'll look a lot better than that if if uh, if he's in the rotation this year. Um, I'm just worried about how many pitches he'll throw and if he'll get that deep into games because he has not been as effective when starting to do that. Um, as far as projections go, I can tell you what I have for out of the pen. Out of the pen, I have him being really good. Uh, 3-2-7 ERA, uh, about a 1.3 whip about two K's for every walk, um, a FIP around three, seven. So still above league average there or better than league average there. Um, yeah, I haven't been really good. Is there an Alan's 
a big Gantt fan, Alan. So you're probably like it. You're liking what you hear there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I think that he is a good pitcher and it's one of those situations where I'm glad Ben that you described that because this is for me personally, I have a I'm ignorant when it comes to pitching projections as in not doing my own, but not really sure what to look at. You know, I'm kind of still a little old school when I, when I look at any offensive numbers, I will the offensive projections. I know that I'm going to look at the WRC plus or OPS plus, and then the, uh, you know, doubles and homers to kind of equal out some of the power a little bit. And I'm glad you explained it the way you did, because I'm really not sure what to look at on pitchers, especially guys like Gant, who are kind of your typical swing man, but that I feel is better, but it may not point to being better. You know what I mean by that? So that makes me feel pretty good about uh, the outlook on Gant. And I think that the, your projections probably are probably close to being in line with what the Cardinals have then that kind of shows why they have some faith in making this starter this this move. Now, I will say, when I do put my Gantt projections out, if I'm projecting them as a starter, those numbers are going to change, so they'll get a little Sure, worse. sure. But, but I don't foresee them being horrible. So let me give you one. I've got two guys already that um, I haven't put them out there yet, but Ponce de Leon and Reyes, I have – numbers for as a starter and a reliever because I kind of figured they would do both roles at some point this year. Um, so you can kind of tell what the conversion here is, but I'll just go with uh, Ponce de Leon. Ponce, because Ponce de Leon, I have, I have pretty close to hit, to Gantt. Um, like Gantt, I said, out of 3-2-70 RA in my projections. Out of the bullpen, uh, Ponce's is 3-2-1. Um, Gantt, I had a 3-7 FIP. Ponce, I have a little higher at 3.9. Um, I have them both right around two strikeouts per walk. Well, when it comes to the rotation, Ponce de Leon's ERA jumps from 321 in my projections to 338. His whip jumps from like 1.26 to 1.35. And his K to walk drops from 2.25 to 2. Um, so if I had to guess, I'm guessing that Gantt's projections are going to jump to about a 3.4 to 3.45 ERA, probably jump to about a 1.4 whip, and I'm guessing he's going to drop to about a 1.75K to walk in my projections. But I don't know. We'll see. I, I, I still feel like that could be a little bit low on him. Maybe not the ERA, but the the whip and the K to walk could be a little bit, little bit low on him for what he actually accomplishes this year out of the starting rotation. My my only hesitation is on Gant is if he can make it through a whole whole season yeah. and have that kind of because you know two years ago he started off very well and then faded significantly to you know for the second half and mm-hmm. last year of course didn't have as many opportunities and I worry that you know you ex- exasperate that just a little bit uh, exasperate that just a little bit by starting him but you know maybe not i mean he, well, he, he came up as a starter and and it just may have been you know 19 may have just been a fluke that i hold on to much too, too tight i you know it, it maybe i doubt he sees the third time through the lineup very often yeah, yeah. it's going to be interesting to see how many people do this year yeah i agree I mean, flarity occasionally i don't know that they'll let wainwright do that too many times unless he's just one of those inning eating starts, him. Yeah. Oh, I, mean, I think that's will. I think... probably it. 
Yeah, Wayne Wright. I think it, ahead, if this is going to be his swan song, I think they're going to let him just throw until his arm falls off, or he's not. Yeah, that's a good point. One of the two. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's some of that. I it just depends though, and I guess it depends on what kind of game. You know, it's always going to depend on the games too, and who's fresh and all that kind of stuff. We know that if in the bullpen needs a a breather, then Wayne Wright will go deep. We saw that last year, but. You know, if he goes six and you could turn it over to, you know, Hicks and Gallegos and Reyes and Cabrera to get a win, you know, they very well might do that at more than letting him try to stretch it out. I don't know. Um, but he'll get he'll get more rope than anybody else will, I, I think. Because, you know, they've kind of, at times, have babied Flaherty, although I don't think that's going to happen this year. I think they're, I think all the restrictions are off on him, don't you think, Ben? I don't know. I thought, I thought they might ride him last year a little bit harder than they did, too, but they were, they seemed to treat him with baby gloves more than anybody else, almost. Um, Yeah. I don't know what to think about with, with Flaherty this year. Um, I, I think they're going to want to get value out of him while they can and while he's still cheap because obviously he's going to go for as much money as he can get in arbitration and in free agency. And with a chance next year of there not being a season because of the CBA, I mean, I think they'd want to get as much out of him as possible. But at the same time, they're not going to want him to get hurt and – and nobody really knows what to do with arms this year. So I, I, I'm at a loss as to what they're going to do. And that is fair. I mean, coming off of a shortened season, everybody may get a little bit more, you know, pulled back a little bit more often. Um, yeah. We're not going to see a two inning and 200 inning pitcher this year, most likely for anybody. Um, except maybe Adam Wayne, right? Just because it's Adam Wayne, right? Um, what else in the pitching side of things has caught your attention this, this uh, spring bit, if anything? Um, I feel like Cody Whitley is a guy that I think needs to get a, a longer look. Um, could maybe even break with the big league club. Um, just trying to look at the number. I, I feel like Ponce and Gant both have had both have had really good springs. Like, I don't think they're on the Reyes or Mark or um, Wainwright level, but I feel like they've both been pretty good. Um, I feel like I've been really impressed with Thompson and Libertor's stuff this spring. Um, I don't know that either looks quite ready to be up just yet, mm-hmm. but I feel like. They look better than last spring, which says a lot for, I mean, for like Libertor, I feel like that says a lot because he, I thought he looked really good last spring. I think with the pitching, it's, it's more the worries that we talked about with Kim and Michaelis not, not coming that little worried as to what, what the season might start like, but, but I think everything else kind of, we talked about. Alan, is there anything over the last week or so that's kind of triggered you at all? Oh, not pitching wise, I don't. 
Not necessarily. I was trying to think of anything that's kind of blown me away. I know yeah, I, I, it's funny that you bring up Whitley, though, Ben, just because I think that he's he's shaking up uh, quite a fit, uh, quite a few things right now. And he, he d- sure does look good. Um, I'm kind of curious to see where Libertor and Thompson actually start, just because I'm selfish and I hope it's in Springfield. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's, that's all. I'd like to see where that happens. So I'm trying to see where the chips may fall as as far as who starts in um, in Memphis to begin with. But everything being pushed a month back, I mean, that could that could play a big factor into it too. So So that's kind of the things I've been paying attention to as far as some of the guys coming out of the bullpen right now in the, uh, you know, for the spring games. Um, pulled up his game log. Cause I wanted to see what Andrew Miller has been doing. You know, this is a kind of a guy that I think there's some uncertainty around and it looks like, you know, last couple of times out, he's been much better at scoreless innings. Um, uh, ben, are you, are you thinking kind of a, a standard Andrew Miller for this year? I don't know what to think on Andrew Miller either. Um, so my projections, I, I talk about how my projections like haven't caught up to guys sometimes, like when there's abrupt career changes, like carpenters, you know, like this year, my carpenter projection is a lot higher than, than I thought it might be just because of a couple of bad years in a row. Um, I feel like the Miller one for me, it's, it's shifted a lot more quickly than I thought it might. Like my projections do not, give wonderful things for Miller, like way worse than last year. Last year he was really good out of the pen now. Granted it was 13 innings. And so, um, I don't know. Uh, I feel like it might be one of those that after last year, he's kind of got himself figured out a little bit, but it's a lot longer year. So it might balance out to be just kind of a okay Andrew Miller year. But I think we're going to see flashes of what we saw last year, at least. Um, where he was just that dominant force out of the pen at times uh, where at times he's finishing games and he's, he's picking up saves against uh, a lot of lefties. And, and there's maybe times that look more like 2019 where he, he struggles for a few weeks at a time. Like maybe when we get past that 15, 20 inning mark and it's, it's been a while since he's done that. Um, I could see that being a problem for him. Um are are you still looking at his game logs? Who has he faced this spring? He's actually faced um, basically everybody. Okay, um, good. So. Let's see. Let me pull it back up real quick. But I think he has won against – yeah, he started with Miami. He's Then he went to Houston. Then he went to the Nationals. And then he pitched today against the Mets. So he okay, has faced so all four might, teams. It might Cardinals be one of those that if he, keeps getting, if he keeps getting looks against different teams early, it looks really nice. And then as soon as a couple teams have seen him once or twice, maybe maybe that's when he hits that wall, sort of. Um, but mm-hmm. I'm just kind of going off cuff here at the moment. I, I got nothing. Yeah. That's that's pretty much what Alan and I do for an hour of the week, so it's okay. Did you say off coffee or off cup? <laughs> no, well, I, I don't drink coffee, so definitely off that. I'm a I'm a soda guy. Oh man, uh, let's see. Yeah. Okay, so Alan, one guy, coffee. Break. You you did ask. <laughs> you did ask um, pitchers that are surprised us, and I forgot to mention him because he's no longer in camp, but. Um, Quezada. I was talking with Stu mm. earlier today about him. 
not only is he just like this beast of a human being that should be like the Chiefs' <laughs> left tackle next year after yeah. that Super Bowl performance, but like, man, his, I mean, he's got, he's got a good fastball and a good slider. And I'm really surprised that they didn't, I, I realize that I feel like we're going to have a really good pen anyway, but I'm kind of surprised he didn't stick around a little longer than he did. Yeah. I mean, for the fact that they brought him in, um, you would have thought, but yeah, I think it probably does have to something to do with just trying to get enough innings for the people that they are seeing. Now, of course, they're also expecting the starters to go a little bit deeper than maybe they have so yeah. far, but, um, you know, there's only so many, and especially as you get into this, you know, now less than two weeks until opening day, um, you know, the starters are going to start going deeper and the bullpen guys are going to be there. I, you know, we were just talking, what was it? I guess the cuts just happened, what, last Saturday, last Sunday? Um, yeah, about a week. It's kind of, it felt like it was kind of late in camp. So yeah. I, I imagine it was just a, an innings crunch. But, um, you know, first first guy in, first guy out. But you're right. He's He felt like a little bit when we heard about him that he was this kind of lottery ticket, this kind of, well, it's kind of interesting. But he showed he, he probably a little bit more than that. Yeah. Alan, did you get a chance to watch him at all this? I did a little bit. I'm sorry. I thought Ben was getting ready to say something. The, uh, um, yeah, I, in those moves, I always feel like those under-the-radar moves, they, the Cardinals seem to know what they're doing on a lot of those. You know what I mean? Where it's, it kind of seems like the throw-in type situation. But I, I felt like they they feel like they've got a gym or a project, you know, more more so in the in the, in Johan, but uh, but yeah, that it was funny. I I thought he brought a pretty good personality element to camp too, which sometimes I wonder if that doesn't get you sent down, you know, as a cardinal as well. <laughs> <laughs> there is that. There is that. So let's shift gears then um, and talk about the offense, um, and I guess in combination with that, the defense, if we want to. And ben, and I know you have had a ch- you talked about. Um, Carpenter a little bit we've talked uh, I know you put up your projection on him and and you and Corey were talking about him on the most recent show um it I guess it's a little bit encouraging to hear what you, I think he was all talking about you know a few a few balls that have been hard hit um a few that you know should have been uh hits that weren't but still 042 stands out yeah um and I, with Carpenter, what I'm worried about is, so as a, as guys age, you know, you, you kind of hope that, that as their skills start to decline, their eye gets better. And well, Carpenter's already had that eye. Yeah. And yeah. so that improvement based on his eye isn't going to come. And I think with him, if he's going to have the type of year my projections say instead of the bad or worse than the bad, like he's been the last couple of years on my projections that I don't think it's as I, that's going to have to change. I think it's going to be his selection at the plate. That's going to have to change um, as what's an acceptable pitch to drive. Um, and what I've seen out mm-hmm. of him so far this spring, he has, he's stung the ball a couple of times, but I feel like he is a guy who at this point is trying to go up there and just 
get on base any way he can, like he did from 2012 to 20, probably what, 15 or 16, before he started mm. really hitting the ball hard and launching bombs. And I just don't know that his swing has him as that guy anymore, you know, that he's looking for walks, he's looking for, you know, to get into hitters' counts and and guys are just attacking him more and getting into pitchers' counts and he can't seem to work his way out of it. And I think it's, I don't want to say he's scared to swing, but I I feel like he's scared to hit his way on as opposed to Ooh. just try to get on. And I don't think that's going to fly for him. I think he needs to have a mind shift of some sort. Um, and I don't think that's happened yet. Yeah, Alan, it feels like we've talked in the last year or two, or maybe I wrote about it at one point in time, but there was at least a stretch of time over the last little bit where it just felt like he was going up there uh, intending to walk to some degree, or at least intending to get to a 3-2 count to see as many pitches as he could. And it really sounds like it's a time where he's got to kind of flip that on his script, and he's got to have to start swinging at the first pitch he sees that's good, whether it's the first pitch of the bat or not, right? I mean, he can't really be going to those three, two counts because pitchers are just going to wind up putting him away. Sure. And you know, it's, I know this is so divisive right now, so it's tough to even talk about, but has any hitter been hurt more by the shift than Carpenter? It kind of really means a leadoff hitter, really. What's interesting is. can't imagine anybody has. And I said this the other day with Corey. What's interesting is he, he actually, I want, from 2016 to 2018, he hit better against the shift than he did not against the mm. shift. Wow. If you look at the That's numbers. surprising. And I mean, it's... Yeah. It's yeah, I mean, it's really... Yeah, and it's because I remember... I can't remember if it was on a show or if it was one of the times that Daniel were just going... And I were going back and forth during a game. But it really bothered me when, when Carp let off because... It would the the walks almost became nil, and the uh, the four three putouts became commonplace. Now, whether that four three was in the second base position or in short right field, that just seemed what it was, and there wasn't a lot of creativity for the to the top of the lineup. So that really kind of blows me away. Yeah, I, I I'm just I'm a little bit hesitant, and and I know you use spring to try to get him. Yeah, on track. Um, but we've seen Carpenter in the top of the lineup a lot. We've seen Carpenter play almost feels like almost every day. I'm, I know it's not, but it feels like that. Um, you know, I guess it's better now than it would be to do this for the first two or three weeks of the season. Right. Uh, you know, Alan, do you think that that switch flips here, like in the next couple of weeks or even when spring tra- and training is over, do we then automatically start seeing Tommy Edmond, you know, five, six times a week and Carpenter just getting that occasional spot to start? Or are they going to try to keep giving him some at bats early on to see if maybe they can trigger something? I think he'll probably get some pretty big pinch hits or pinch hitting opportunities early because to- just because Edmonds played so well. Um, that they're going to try to find a niche for him, find a place where he could get in, and they're going to try to give him every chance to succeed. You know, I'm one of those that thinks when when the bright lights comes on, that things kind of level out a little bit. That's and I I even bring that back to the pitching a little bit. I feel like when the season starts, you start seeing the real player a little bit. Now, 
the troublesome thing is the real player we that we think of Matt Carpenter hadn't been there since eighteen. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, of course, the under sixty games, you do, you never know what to make of that. But uh, but to answer your question, I I, I do think that the, you're going to see a lot of Edmund. Uh, I think that's probably going to be the primary way, the, the way that they're going to use Carpenter as a pinch hitter off the bench, and that that could honestly cost Justin Williams a job. I know that we've talked about that a little bit, but but I think that uh, I I can't see it being another situation at this point. Yeah. Um, Ben, what do you think? Yeah, I, I kind of agree with Alan there that, uh, I think Edmund and, and, and I don't know, I think if it was anybody else, maybe not, but Schultz loves himself some Tommy, Tommy Edmund. I mean, he really does. I feel like that is his, his poster child favorite player type. Um, yeah, personal, he can play anywhere. He doesn't K he doesn't walk. He just goes up there swinging the bat He's fast. He plays good defense wherever he plays. I mean, if that doesn't fit Schilt's uh, managing style to a T, I don't know what does. Um, so I think you will see Edmund get you, six starts a week or more. Yeah. You get the feeling that if he wasn't, if that wasn't the player that Schilt was, that was the player he wanted to be. You get that yeah. feeling with Edmund pretty quickly. So it seems like it's a ways off. I'm sure it is. But where does Nolan Gorman fit into this conversation? I mean, again, we're not expecting him to make camp or anything like that, but we did see him play second base in a game for the first time today. And from all I can tell, I didn't watch that part of the game. From uh, It sounded like he was um, serviceable. Um, maybe had a few little glitches, but other than that, pretty good. I mean, Ben, I know you probably don't project. Well, did you, do you project for a guy like Gorman, even in limited at bats or something? I have not projected Gorman as of yet this year. Um, I try to start with the 40 man and he's not on it yet. So, um, I have not yet gone that way. I, I can almost guarantee you they would not look pretty. Um, just because he hasn't played a game above a high A, I don't think. Did he play some at Springfield last year, Alan? Or in two thousand eight? I don't think I don't believe so. Yeah, okay. no, I, I didn't, no, I didn't did think so. I didn't think so either. So uh, I mean my projections, unless the guy is absolutely raking down in the low minors, they're not gonna look good for guys just because I go statistically Ooh. and I don't have the the age at level thing figured out just yet um, in terms of how to project that. So my guess is they would be really bad. Yeah, I would think um, so. And, it, and yeah, Gorman's not, I don't think he's ready and he hasn't necessarily hit in spring like he's ready um, either, but it's an intriguing option, right? I mean, once they started to talk about him moving to second and once after he apparently reached out to Dustin Perdoria and started learning how to play second, the idea of a power hitting and, and fairly good defensive infield is really intriguing. Um, but I don't know. I mean, do you think Alan people are going to be over, you know, kind of looking toward that already instead of, you know, what Tommy Edmonds is going to bring this year? I, I hope that that's a little premature, but I can't necessarily say that I didn't feel that way about Carlson at some point. 
you know, in spring, maybe last year, even yeah. the year before last, you know, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I think that it, that's a, yeah, putting the cart before the horse, but you know, he's, he's saying and doing all the right things right now. Um, then let's talk about catchers. I'm assuming your projection system takes into account that Yachty Molina plays 150 something games. Is that how you project on Yachty? <laughs> He projects like to play five million games a year, a hundred sixty-two for the Cardinals, four hundred and fifty for Puerto Rico. Uh, no, so with Molina, um, I've got him. I've got him at four hundred seventy-five. No, is that right? Let me check. Yeah, I've got him at four hundred seventy-five um, plate appearances this year. Um, he actually hasn't even had that many since 2018. Um, so I feel like my projection system is probably a little high on him getting plate appearances. He had, um, and, and I hate that I don't know this off the top of my head, but I want to say his, uh, I'm going to give you rounded numbers, but he's going to, I think he was around like 520 or 530 in 2017. And then he dropped to 503 in 2018. I do have that one in front of me. 452 in 2019. And then last year, his prorated total was 437. It has consistently gone down for the last four seasons. His OPS has consistently Mm -hmm. gone down right along with it. Um, I would not be shocked if he's right around... 400 plate appearances this year and if he was around a 615 620 630 ops then again Corey and i talked yesterday about he looks more spry behind the plate than i can remember him being since i don't even know when maybe like 2016 2017 mm-hmm. he looks really really quick back there to me like not just the play where he he messed around with Siri and 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 just totally made everybody's highlight reel for the spring. <laughs> but I feel like in every single attempt that's been on him this spring to steal a base, Yachty is throwing the ball before the pitch gets there. And, I mean, obviously that would be an optical illusion of some sort, but it just seems that way. Um, yeah. So... I don't know. I don't know what he has. If his just joie de vivre is there and he's just, you know, just happy to be out there because of last year or what, but he looks really good to me. And, and while the stat trend looks like it could be 400 plate appearances of 615 OPS, who's to say he doesn't go out there and put up 2018 numbers because he's just loving the game and, and playing so well. The arm's amazing to me. Um, I've, it's funny you bring that up about the, the, uh, the, uh, base run, base stealing attempts, because I've seen him hose two guys where the ball was dropped. I think it was Brondone both times, as a matter of fact. And it was just, uh, it was amazing to me how quick he was and how he still has a cannon. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it, to be fair on, on Yachty, and I don't know if it's fair or not, I don't know what, but you know, you were talking about that decrease in at bats, but that's, you know, one significant injury each year basically and then it's i guess it's it's not it's not age it's not um 
it just, you know, he hurt his thumb here. He was out or, you know, last year he missed a week because of COVID. And, you know, when you're prorating that, like, you know, missing three weeks, um, if he's healthy, which is a big if at that age, but then maybe not as much of an if as some others, you know, I could easily see him getting back to those levels. Now, this brings into, of course, the equation of what are the Cardinals going to do with Andrew Kisner? Um, and, you know, this is a conversation we've had a lot, you know, and there was, you know, I know Alan and I talked about this idea, maybe that, you know, Melina got a one-year contract when he wanted to, maybe the balance of power is shifting a little bit toward the front office, but it seems like, you know, every time you look up, I mean, Kisner did play today, but every time you look up, Yachty's playing and Yachty's going in deep into games. So if you were to guess just based on health on those two guys, Ben, what's the split of, of playing time between Molina and Kisner? So uh, what I have it at in my projections is like 68% Yachty, 32% Kisner. Um, and that's just the last three years average, basically, um, has been that Yachty's played about 68% of the game, 70% of the games. Um and so that that's what I went with. Um, just because I try to stay as numerically based as I can on the projections. Mm-hmm. Um, and if he's healthy, I I can see that. I As a 38-year-old who's catching, though, I mean, I think when he's healthy, he's probably going to play more than that. But when's the last time Yachty's made it through a season completely healthy without a nick or knack of some sort that put him on the DL. And, and it makes sense as a 35 plus year old catcher that, that really hasn't happened since uh, like 2015 to 2017, he played in 136 games or more. And then it went 123, 113, and then 42 out of 58. So. Yeah. Including that infamous doubleheader um yes (laughs) so okay so let's shift a bit now alan and i'm looking at um tyler o'neill's numbers uh right now and i guess he's in a slump because he went from like 520 to down to 433 um (laughs) and batting average is is are you still on board with this idea that o'neill i mean you and i talked a little bit if he can get going, he's a he's a four or five behind the two big thumpers, and that helps the team a lot. Yeah, I mean, it, I feel like that's that makes the lineup aesthetically pleasing for me. Um, you know, I you know I'm I'm a de young honk and and want him further down in the lineup just for uh, you know the pressure and they're asking a lot of him, and that would be really nice if you could throw uh, uh, O'Neill in the middle of all that. Um, has I know. Small sample size is such a big, you know, adds it's such a question mark. But Ben, has anything changed your opinion or made you rethink uh, a projection as far as what's happened so far in the uh, in the Cardinal outfield in spring? Not really. I mean, I've kind of been on the, I've kind of been on the bandwagon of I want to see all these guys for the last couple of years now. Yeah, and. I mean, if it's my idea, if I'm Mike Schilt, my plan is assuming it's just the four, not Williams as well. If assuming it's just yeah. Carlson Bader, O'Neill Thomas, 
I want to get them all 500 plate appearances. I mean, that's my goal on the year is I want to give all of them 500. And I mean, maybe it might even be a strict, like you play three days, you sit one, you play three days, you sit one and, and do that through like August or through, through the trade deadline or something and just see what happens and see who stays hot and gets hot and plays well against what, um, I mean, Bader's glove never takes a day off. His speed doesn't take a day off. He He's not the greatest base runner, but his speed doesn't take a day off. O'Neal's the same thing. Defense, base running. He's got both of those. He's got the speed. So does Thomas. Carlson is not quite as fast as those guys, but he is probably a better base runner. He knows the game of baseball. Um, and so you're not going to skip beat on any of that part of the game. And it's just getting all those guys, those reps at the plate that they also desperately need. Um, you know, maybe you finagle it a little bit and say, okay, Carlson, you're not going to play quite as much against lefties, even though you can turn around and switch hit. We've got three guys who are righties. Um, or maybe against those hard slider righties, you you sit either Bader or O'Neill, you know, or uh, – I don't know. Schilt probably gets crazy and starts Edmund or something in the outfield and Carpenter gets to start against a righty. Um, but you, I, I think you got to do something like that to see what you have in people. Um, and nothing I've seen this spring has really changed my mind about it. O'Neill is going on one of his hot streaks and he looks according to Kyle much more like he did in the minors, which is kind of what I've expected to see more of in the majors. Um, I did kind of look back through uh, – you got you guys kind of tipped me off that we were going to talk about O'Neill tonight, so I did a little look at some of the stuff here about him. And, I mean, he's not going to keep up, obviously, what he has done in the spring. He's got a 550 batting average on balls in play. Um, but last year, yeah, he stunk, but last year's batting average on balls in play was 189. Um, projections have it settling in around 300. Mine, Zips, Steamer everybody's projections have him settling in around a 300 batting average on balls in play. And that's literally over a hundred points higher than last year's. Um, When he hits the ball, he does some serious damage. So I don't know how well versed you guys or your listeners are in WOBA or WOBA, but basically it's a measure of hitting that incorporates all the different types of hits and walks and ways you can get on base possible. And it scales it to on base percentage. So like 320 is average, 340 is above average, 370 is great. Um, While the league average for WOBA, just when you make contact, is 370. Well, O'Neill for his career, just when he makes contact, his WOBA is 430. It's 60 points higher than league average. Um, And StatCast does something called X stats, which are the expected stats based on how hard he hits the ball and at what angle he hits the ball. And league average for for ex-WOBA on contact is 362. And O'Neill's is still 404. So he's somewhere between 40 to 60 points better when he makes contact with the ball than other people. And what's really cool about that is O'Neill has made strides at the plate in terms of making contact. Um, when you look at his 
walk and strikeout rates over his three seasons. He's only got 150 plate appearances basically every year. His walk rates have jumped from 4.9 to 6.6 to 9.6, and his strikeout rates have dropped from 40.1 to 35.1 to 27.4. And so the kid's making a ton more contact, and he's just not getting rewarded for it um, the last couple of years that I think he maybe needs to find a balance of going back and becoming a little bit more of a free swinger to add that pop back to the bat, but still keeping that eye so he can know what to look for. And judging by this spring, maybe that's what he's done. You know, maybe he has said, you know what, I'm going to swing a little bit more at these pitches and, and take a little bit more of these. And, and it sure looks like he's, he's firing on all cylinders at the moment. Um, and maybe he is putting all that together the way, the way that I'm hoping. Yeah. It'd be ideal. I think for and again, we've said it before, it's nice to see somebody come into camp knowing that there's a competition and excelling or at it. I mean, again, it's a small sample and I don't know that that means a whole lot, but it is, it is nice to see. Um, now we'll see how the next two weeks go because it's kind of like, you know, Carlson last year had a good good start, not to this degree, but then the last couple of weeks kind of tapered off. Um, some of that was usage and things of that nature, and then of course you hit the the um, pandemic. But it's uh, you know, if that's the case, if he hits like he could, then where would I mean, what would that lineup look like for you? I guess, well, how would you construct the lineup? So. I really, really, really was hoping for one more addition. Um, I like to look at a lineup in terms of, I think your top five guys have to be a tier above the rest. And I feel like the Cardinals are going to get four of those type of guys, four of those top five hitters that they need. Um, I mean, they've already said Edmund's going to be their leadoff guy. And I'm fine with that. If he's at a 330 on base or higher with his speed, um, a lot of it coming via batting average, not walks, that he's going to hit his way on base. He's going to get a few extra base hits with how fast he is. So he's going to get a few steals because he's that quick that maybe that on base doesn't need to be where Carpenter's was for so many years if he's going to be on second or third as often as we think he might be. Um, And then I would love to see Goldschmidt 2, Arenado 3, and O'Neal 4 because they're not going to split Goldschmidt and Arenado. Um, I'd love to see that because as of right now, O'Neill's the guy that's hot, uh, whether that ends up being O'Neill or Carlson or DeYoung or whoever at some point throughout the year or different guys throughout the year batting fourth. I I think that O'Neill's the guy right now, ride, ride the bat you can while you're hot. What I'm worried about is that fifth hole. Um, I don't, I don't know who that's going to be. Um, and what's scary is I, I don't know if. Yachty might be the guy that's best suited for it. Um, and I feel like I know Derek Gould on best podcast in baseball always talks about that his kind of barometer of how good the Cardinals offense is going to be is by where Molina's hitting. And if Molina's hitting lower in the order, he feels like the offense is rolling. Whereas when Molina's moved up in the order, it's because other guys aren't hitting. I mean, it's nothing to do really with Molina because he's kind of is what he is, but I don't know. He might be that fifth guy in the order for me. And, and that kind of scares me a bit. Um, 
Uh, so that's that's kind of my thoughts of where I go, at least. If if we go with what Schiltz already said, that Goldie and Arenado are going to be together and Edmonds leading off. I mean, Alan, I know we've talked some about the lineup, but I mean, you're right. We've seen a lot more of Goldschmidt at two and, and Arenado at three. Is that exciting to you? Well, I, I'm starting to buy in. It was uh, at, I had the hopes of uh, the two switch hitters at the top of the lineup in the beginning, and, and I felt like that would be beneficial for Edmund to lead off and Carlson to hit second. Um, I felt it's kind of a situation where you feel like Carlson has had to prove it more than anything else, but they were going to keep uh, – they were going to keep Goldie and Arenado together the entire time. So I'm fine with them hitting second or third. And it's one of those where I would love to see the cleanup guy being an O'Neill or a Carlson. I was going to throw that out. And, and like I said, mine is more of a, I think that depending on how he handles the dips in five to six months, you're going to look and the young's numbers are going to look pretty decent. But it's just the highs and lows. How 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 low they get will be the will be the question mark. Um, you know, but that's probably the best that you have right now. And I think that lineup could score a lot of runs. Yeah, yeah, it probably probably could. I was looking. I thought. I guess it was. Two, I guess it was yesterday that DeYoung had a couple of hits, and that that was good to see because it has been. You know, if it wasn't for Matt Carpenter, I think a lot of a lot of attention would be on on DeYoung for how weak. Uh, his his yeah. numbers have been so far the, this spring. The Young's homer yesterday was a missile that would have knocked the ball knocked the wall down <laughs> if it wouldn't have stayed in. He, he crushed it. Yeah, and was it yesterday? All right, well, we've gone. I think we've kind of. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go I was ahead, gonna man. say, was it yesterday that Goldschmidt hit the home run batting second as well, or was that two days ago? Because uh, that was a uh, miss. Yeah, yeah, he was. He crushed it. Yeah, because it was. Uh, it was uh, Goldschmidt hit one, you know, one day it made it two to nothing, and the next day, DeYoung hit the home run because Goldschmidt had doubled, um, okay, and that's a guy yeah, we're not right. talking any about, which is probably a good thing. But you know, Paul Goldschmidt seems to be, I mean, quietly just being Paul Goldschmidt, and that's, I mean, we got to have that, right? Yeah. Yep. I, I assume that Goldschmidt was kind of easy for you pro- project. Um, uh, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like, I don't know if I'm going to get them right, but I don't feel like, you know, I feel like the bad and the good, he's going to be, I'm, I'm very, very certain he'll be somewhere in there. Whereas there's other guys where mm-hmm. I'm like, like Carlson, there's a good chance that Carlson could be well above my good projection. Um, I don't think that's happening with Goldschmidt. Um, I think Arenado is a little harder with moving parks that I think the Saruti is probably going to be a little high for him actually. And that could still end up being okay. Um, but, but yeah, Goldschmidt, I feel like his are going to, his are going to, his projections are going to be fine after having a couple of years in St. Louis to go on. Um, and for those not versed in it, I have him at 278, 375, 493, uh, Basically, thirty doubles, thirty homers, ninety runs, eighty plus RBI. Um, so, a very Goldschmidt year. <laughs> yep, and I think That's we'll awesome. we'll take a few of those. Yeah, for sure. So, yes. All right. Well, it's been a good good inning, a good uh, hour of discussion. 
um, Ben, you're, you're, uh, you won your first round matchup in the best Cardinals podcast tournament we're running. Um, so congratulations to you on that. Um, and oh, others you. are listening to this Friday night and Saturday morning. You can go vote for this show if you want to. We're currently, actually currently neck and neck with uh, Cardinals Nations 24-7. Um, so we get you get out there and vote for this. Um, and we'll keep that running through next week. Uh, imagine we're going to see a, gonna see a matchup here pretty soon of Derek Gould and, and uh, Danny Mack, and that's going to be kind of interesting to to see so oh man i want to i want to see the vote totals on that one not necessarily who wins i just want to see how many people how many people come out and vote for the big two there yeah it'll be i guess it just depends on uh you know if anybody if they uh if they notice it's going on which is probably unlikely so <laughs> but uh anyway we'll have a little bit of fun with it uh as uh NCA tournament is going on. We always try to do some sort of bracket. I think that one is a, uh, is a good one to do it. There's a lot of good Cardinal podcasts out there. So uh, if you're in the mood for listening to some, there's a list of them there, but obviously check out Ben's if you haven't already been um, anything else coming up. I know you said you got this, this two styles one coming. Um, you got anything going up on birds on the black anytime soon besides the projections? No, just, just trying to get as many of the projections out before this season starts as I can. And, and getting that conversation with Stu out there because that was fun today. Uh, it was just a good time talking about how he kind of got it with the birds on the black and got into keeping scorecards and then just kind of uh, talking a little bit about what we think is going to happen this year. So it was a good time. Well, good. Good. I look forward to uh, hearing that. Um, so we will have uh, – Alan, who do we have next week? We have the, the guy from Sporting News. I can't remember quite his name. Uh, Ryan Fagan. Ryan Fagan. Okay, that's what I was thinking it was. But Ryan Fagan from Sporting News will be with us next week. A uh, week after that is uh, Zach Silver, who's the, the new MLB writer. And then we're going to finish up our run of guests, which has been, I think, fairly remarkable. Uh, we've had a lot of good conversations over since – well, since Jason Hill started us off really December 31st. Um, and we'll finish that up on the ninth with Rob Rains. So uh, three more weeks of that. And then you have to still listen to Alan and I go on and on by ourselves, uh, <laughs> at least for a while. But uh, glad to have you, Ben, and uh, look forward to having you on again sometime in the near future. Yeah, thank you. And I, I, I hope to reciprocate with both of y'all at some point and have you over on a conversation on, on my, cool. ca- my couch, so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Are you so. trying to tell us something? <laughs> <laughs> no, just a relaxed conversation, oh. sir. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. All right. Well, until next time for Alan and Ben, I'm Daniel. Good night. Good night. Alan Sayad, the second for one. The double play. What a double play by Ozzie Smith. Oh, mercy.